Welcome everybody to Rogue Bogues. This is episode 45. We're getting them out, which is great. Myself, Andrew Burgett, and Hoop Consultants. What's news, pro? Bogues, what's going on with you, brother? I'm on a new diet, pro. That's what's going on with me. Tell me the new diet you got. Oh, it's, a, it's a Bogues hybrid diet. So um, I hurt my thumb, long story, but cut my thumb open pretty bad, so I can't work out at the moment. And I was just you know, sitting on the couch one day and looked down and started to see a little stomach pro. So mm. I'm sure you can, you can. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I could look down and see a, <laughs> a little stomach, but go ahead. So I was like, you know what? Like I started looking into fasting, just like I've, I've heard these things about, you know, 24 hour fasts and all that kind of shit. So what was it? Wednesday, just woke up and I was like, I don't really eat breakfast anyway. So I'm like, I got to I mm-hmm. lunchtime. All I had is a coffee in the morning. And I'm like, I'm just going to go on the fast and just see what happens, right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that was Wednesday, Sunday here now in Australia. So I did I did three 24-hour fasts. So I did um, Wednesday night, I just did uh, dinner. So I went dinner to dinner basically three days in a row um, with nothing else in between besides water and black coffee. Oof. Man, it's brutal. Like the first day, yeah. oh, Wednesday, I thought I was going to die, man. Like I had, a head, I had a headache by about... 130 mm-hmm. and yeah just the body was just like what are you doing dude like what the hell are you doing feed me feed me feed me had a small piece of fish and salad for dinner so it was enough just to get a bit of energy had a small steak the next night and then another night the third night I had a bit of a bigger piece of steak and now now i'm back to back to eating again but i'm staying off carbs and processed sugar so i'm still kind of uh i want to stay off that for a couple of weeks and just see how it go because i love pasta and all that shit but um yeah man like the crash like it's just and then but by like mm-hmm. day two and a half three started to feel better but um having no carbs is interesting man like your body it's like it's like your body's fighting itself inside so it's been good i highly recommend it, pro you should give it a crack you know what like um a few years back hb actually sponsored and wes matthew sponsored a weight loss contest um with the coaching staff it was like me melvin uh melvin hunt and a few other guys daryl armstrong i don't know why the fuck daryl armstrong needed to lose weight but anyway i i did that like i would literally like eat my last like my last meal or food at like 1 30 and then don't eat till the next morning and it was fucking brutal brutal it is. and yeah it's a it, it works don't get me wrong Kyle Collinsworth is a huge fan of that, you know, intermittent fasting and stuff. He puts a lot of stuff on his social media about it. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it works, but I heard it's a, it's a motherfucker, especially if you know, if you go, like some people do like eight hours, nine hours, but when you do like 12, 14, 15 hours, it could, it could really fuck you up. Yeah. I was going to try to do 48 straight on just water and coffee. <laughs> I got to the first night, which was 24, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to fucking die, man. I need to, So I just had a small yeah, piece of fish. 24 is hard as well, but I mean, it's just good to, I guess, reset your bowels and your stomach and, and give your body a flush out. So we won't go too, too detailed about that, but I just thought, you know, listeners out there, give it a crack. I thought pro, maybe, you know, up your alley sometime, get back on the wagon, yeah. off the wagon. I'll give you something up your fucking alley. Let's get to the fucking podcast, all right? <laughs> Let's get to the podcast. All right, we're going to start off our podcast weekly now. We've got a slightly new segment we're gonna go team of the week so we're both gonna give our team of the week and for whatever reason and then we're gonna go team of the week w-e-a-k week so we'll give one of each but i want to start i'll start phoenix suns uh, even though they lost last night to the warriors they, they they didn't have devin booker out they have to be the team of the week last season in my uh, last week in my opinion they were on an 18 game win streak um they're nine and one in the last 10 they're rolling they could have potentially kept that streak rolling if Booker was was healthy. Who knows? But um, they they continue to quietly just plug along. And um, they started off a little bit sh- shaky at the start of the season, but they're they're just a solid 
basketball team. They're very well coached. They have a second le- uh, coach out there in Chris Paul. They've got Devin Booker, who obviously hadn't won a lot of games, so he's really bought into the fact of winning games rather than getting stats at times. Aiden's playing very, very well um, since he's been back from injury. So I'm loving what I see. They, they are my team of the week, bro. What do you have? So how does it work, Bogues? Do you want me to just Whatever go you to want. another team? Your t- you don't have to. Whatever we, I we want. Can, no, I'm just asking. Agree. I mean, look, it could be a team like yeah. Houston. I mean, they've won five straight, so they've had the best week. From pod to pod is your week, bro. So your world, we'll just live in it. Ah, I'm going to go. I'll go with, you know what? I'll go with a different one. I'll go with a different, just so we can have some variety. I'll go with Golden State shit. They've been fucking rolling. They've been rolling. They're fun to watch, man. They played well. Obviously, they lost to Phoenix, but no, they lost. I'm sorry, they beat Phoenix, but I'm saying they've been rolling. They won eight out of the last 10. They're just playing really well. So I'll, I'll give it to those guys. Yeah, they lost to Phoenix in Phoenix. I believe. Yeah. And then then beat them back at home, uh, which you kind of, yeah. I, I, I had them picked at home. Steph came off a horrible night in Phoenix. Wiggins was kind of questionable that game. And even with Booker Healthy, I would have picked him in Golden State. I just knew Steph would come out firing, which he did. And then, um, yeah, that, they've done really well. You know, 19 and three, they're top of the West right now. They're looking very, very, very good. Another shout out we can give Cleveland. They're, they're at four straight at the moment. They, um, they started off really well, hit a lull. Now they're at four straight again. Another one is Houston, like I just mentioned. Um, you know, they're on a, on a five gamer. So, and look, it's always why I wanted to single out Houston in this is. They're supposed to be tanking. So it's always good for me to see teams that are tanking go on these little streaks. I think the GM's probably going to have a meeting with them pretty soon and be like, hey, hey, hey calm down, guys. Yeah. Uh, they haven't played the best competition in those five games, but they've got some good wins along the way. But uh, it's just good to see that it's not a not a blatant all-in tank. Like they're still, they're still somewhat trying to win games, but they'll still be at the bottom. So I give them both a shout out there. Team of the week, W-E-A-K. Shitty team, basically of the week. I mean, you can't you can't go past OKC, can you, Pro? I mean, they <laughs> they had the biggest loss in yeah. NBA history the other night against the Memphis without John Morant, so hardly full strength. You'd maybe expect it against the Golden State, well, not an NBA history loss, but man. Yeah, they didn't have. Now look, I don't care if you had the coaches playing. <laughs> There's no reason fucking you lost by 75. But I, I will give them this. I will give them this. They didn't have SGA. They didn't have Giddy, I don't think. I don't think Giddy Correct. played in that game. But SG, yeah, SGA had um, a concussion and they didn't have Giddy. But like I watched the beginning of that game and it didn't seem like it was a game that they're going to lose by fucking 70 plus. Yeah, man. It was and it, like they were going back and forth and, you know, it's unbelievable. Because everybody that, that, that I talked to said the same story. Like they're checking their phone once in a while and they're like, holy shit, that's got to be fucking wrong. And like John Hollinger, I don't know if you read it, like he went off today saying that they should fire the GM for it. And come on, man. Like, you know. Oh, it's one game. Get, get me a fucking We've forgotten about. You said yeah, it's history one fucking for the wrong game. reasons. Who gives a shit? But um, we've got some, I've got some really good stats in useful and useless later about this game. But man, it was, and they're, they're also on a, mind you, on a, a game losing streak pro, which doesn't, <laughs> doesn't help the situation. No, no, it does not. They won one out of the last 10, lost eight in a row. That's a tough one, man. I'll tell you what, that coach does a good job, though. The young kid, he does a good job. I, I can't pronounce his name, but he, he does a good job. And, you know, they got young kids. They don't really have much veteran leadership, you know, uh, veterans that could actually help them win. They got young kids. They've won – and that's the funny thing. They've won a few games. Like, they won six games. They beat a few teams. I think they beat the Lakers twice, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, they've – they're actually, like, they're bad, but they're they're not 75 – lost by 75 bad. That's uh, – oh, That's just – 
Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, half time you're down 20, you're, you're checking it in and they, they literally just checked in and they played a lot of guys that hadn't played minutes before. And, but yeah, usually when you put in your fringe roster guys, they give you effort, at least going to keep it, you know, pick up full court, you know, give you a bit of effort, get on loose balls, maybe, you know, get it from 50 to 40, but it went from 50 to 70, which was, you just don't see it very often, which is why it's huge news. And I mean, I, I assume OKC is just itching to get back on the court the next couple of games and just put this behind them. But they are, I mean, are they your team of the week? Yeah. You know what? I was going to go Indiana after losing, they won like three out of their last 10 and they played Indiana, they played Miami at home the other night and they laid an egg. And, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, sure, I thought, Miami too, right? Yeah, yeah, no no Butler, no Adebayo. And you think like, all right, you know, Indiana coming in the game, I think it was like 9 and 15. You know, they're, they're, tough, they're tough and they scrap, but, you know, they, they totally laid an egg at home. And I was like, fuck. But you can't get – you. I can't get past a team that lost by 70 fucking five. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> I mean – you know, that's, that's a tough one. That, that's a video game right there. That's that a is, fucking video game. That's, ugly. that's one where you press reset at halftime and just play, yeah, yeah. 1-0. <laughs> white, white flag. Uh, yeah, that's when you trade. Your, in that video game, you trade your whole fucking roster at halftime. That's what you do. But yeah, that's tough. All right, bro. The, the league's worst kept secret, pro. Neil O'Shea's fired. <laughs> Did you see that coming? Ooh, I mean, shocker. Man. Um, yeah. The statement around it is interesting. Um to say the least, Portland Trailblazers are committed to building an organization that positively impacts our colleagues, communities, and world in which we live and play. Team statement said, following the conclusion of an independent review of concerns and complaints around our workplace environment at the practice facility, the Portland Trailblazers organization has decided to terminate GM Neil O'Shea, effective immediately due to violations of the Portland Trailblazers Code of Conduct out of respect for those who candidly participate in the privileged investigation. We will not release or discuss it. Slippery fucking slope, pro, because that first line Portland Trailblazers are committed to a building an organization that positively impacts our co- colleagues, communities, and the world in which we live and play. Probably have not spent too much time in an NBA locker room, albeit a team that's under 500 locker room, bro. Yeah. I mean, give me a, you know, give me a fucking break. But I totally agree with that, the, the, with what you're saying. The three words that took me, and now I understand where they're going to go with this, code of conduct. And I don't think, I think they're going to try to get out of not paying them. I, th- I think he has like another year on his contract after this one, and they're gonna get out of. They're gonna try to get out of not paying him. Anytime you start mentioning stuff like code of conduct, that's you know because everybody's got that in their contract, and you could try to take their money or take a big portion of it of what's left if you terminate them with cause. Because a lot of times, if you do like buy a guy out, terminate, what they do is they have the um, you know they have the offset. So if like. If you had five million this year and five million next year, they fire you at the end of the year. You get five million left. You know what happens is if some other team hires you for five million dollars, that Portland would pay for it. Where you know if that was a coach, where like because they owe you five million, so you can't double can't dip double in a lot of situations. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when they start mentioning they terminate you for cause, then they could take your money. Different story. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking that's going to happen. It's unbelievable because he's What's been- What's keen that though, bro? What's keen that is it says Portland Trailblazers code of conduct, not NBA code of conduct, bro. Yeah, they're definitely going to go at it. it. You know, it's a slippery slope because like, look, if, if, if he came in and started threatening people, sexual harassment or start threatening physical harm, uh, but the guy was a, you know, the guy tried to be a soap opera star before he got in the NBA. I don't know how much physical harm he'll do to you, but like- <laughs> 
Is that is that true? No, it's hundred percent true. What days yeah. of our lives, born in the beautiful. It's something, uh, Doctor Shabago. I don't know what the fuck he tried <laughs> to be, but you know. But like, that's one thing. So I'll stick up for him in this set. If he's just yelling at people, look, you know, if they threw GMs out of the league or coaches out of the league for being bullies, there'd be about five GMs and four coaches in the whole fucking league. They're gonna take advantage of their power. They're gonna yell at people. They're gonna scream at people. They're gonna like be condescending and all that stuff. So like at what point are, is your like, is your sort of hostile work environment? Cause that's the new thing these days. At what point is your work? You know, you, cause look, I mean, that's almost everybody I've ever fucking worked for. If that's hostile getting yelled at and screamed at, I didn't give a fuck. If I fucked up, I expected to get screamed at and yelled at. So like, if every time someone screams at me, I'm going to report them to try to get them fired. So like, that's what I'm trying to say, Bogues. Like what, at what point, when are we going to, like, wh- how are you going to define a hostile work environment? If he's threatening to, f- to, to fight you and to, like, murder you, that's one thing. That's fucking hostile as hostile can get. But if he's just saying, hey, you're a slapdick. You didn't fucking do your job. Go fuck yourself. Like, all right, fuck it, okay. And then we roll back the next day and I do my job. But, like, at what point is it a hostile work environment? You know what I'm saying, folks? Like, Who determines hostile? That's your point. Like, every person's definition of hostile is different, right? upbringing what you've experienced in your life blah 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 if it's you or me sitting on that board saying uh, no that's not hostile like get on with it you need to kick up the ass if it's a a purple-haired intern that just graduated from four years at some some woke college probably you know if, if you if you had the wrong amount of eye contact would be hostile right so code of conduct the same portland trailblazers code of conduct not nbas that's that's a problem so the writing is on the wall i think they're trying to get out of payment but i don't like i don't like hiding behind words like hostile his actions were hostile. Well, tell us what they were. Well, I want to know. I want to know what they were. show us your code of conduct and what he breached. You can't just put this word sandwich out there and then hide behind in the respect of people's privacy. We're not going to. That, that's it with a discussion. It doesn't work that way. You've just fired a guy, potentially affected his livelihood for the rest of his life. Now, like I said, um, like Pro said, sorry, physical altercation, sexual harassment, blatant, just being an idiot. Different story. If it's hey, what the fuck are you doing? I told you I needed those papers on my desk by this time. Not hostile, in my opinion. Probably can say, "Hey, like I don't, I don't appreciate being sworn at or whatever," but not hostile where you get yeah. the guy fired, right? So, no, the meaning of hostile is different in everyone's mind, man, and that's that's where this is a very, very slippery slope. And the guy's done a good job being the GM. He's drafted well. You know, he drafted Dame Lillard, and Dame Lillard wasn't like Michael Jordan coming out of college. He was a guy that was very good, very talented, but he was still not a finished product. And he drafted him. He made some good moves. They McCollum. Yeah, they, they they had a you know Terry Stotts as his coach. He hired him, so he did some good things. McCollum, like you said, yeah. So like he wasn't like he was a bad GM. I do think that once he once he wanted, you know, the owner wanted Becky Hammond. He wanted Chauncey Billups, and then he really like he used used a bunch of his bullets for you know, fighting for Chauncey Billups and got what he need, got what he wanted, but at the at the price that they're gonna try to look to fire him. Cause I don't know that for fact, but yeah, I, I just sort of read the writing behind you know. Yeah, disagree with his owner at one yeah. point and the owner said, Yep, you get you get your way and I'm just gonna keep this in the scrapbook for future reference and bang, here it is. So And then that rape stuff came up with Chauncey too, so that probably pushed it along. So it, it, I, I think that's it and 
you know, I think he's done a, do- a decent job, but that hostile work environment is a very slippery slope. It is. And it was the worst kept secret in the NBA, let's be honest. We've been talking about it for weeks. Yeah. Um, it was eventually going to happen and it has now happened. So we'll move on. I have one earlier in the run sheet, which most people think might might be not huge news, but DeMarcus Cousins signs with the Milwaukee Bucks Pro. Um, I'm not sure. Is, is it a 10-day or just the rest of the year Vetmin Pro? I don't have the exact detail around it. Um, I don't know. I would assume it's 10 day and they're going to, mm. you know, they'll play through his two 10 days and, and make a decision, but See I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, quite, quite the fall from yeah. grace. I mean, I was with DeMarcus. We were heated rivals when he was in Sacramento. Um, we used to go at it every other game. Um, and then he was with the Warriors when I was there for my return in eighteen nineteen. But just the discussion I want to have around why I flagged this was it's the risk of, of, of what he did. Um, now, I don't know the specifics of it, but post-New Orleans Pelicans, he, he had a phenomenal year that year. I don't know what his numbers were, but it was, it was you know, 24, 25, and 12 a night at least. I'd, if I had to guess off the top of my head when he was playing, I think it was Anthony Davis's final year. He then goes into free agency. There were reports that um, the Pelicans had offered him an extension that wasn't the max, but still a lot of money. He turned that down. Then then it was to the point where the Pelicans said, oh, we're just going to move completely off you. Then there were rumors that he had he had some lower deals that we, like he was max or nothing in free agency. I don't think he had those on the table, but still had, you know, 15 odd million a year type deals, probably shorter than he wanted. Probably would have been, if I'm guessing, it would have been three years, 50 million, those type of deals on the table, but nothing like your five year, 100 plus that he was probably anticipating. So he takes the risk to then go to Golden State and play a role. He signs there for the the mid-level, right? I think it was a mid-level exception. It was six, six odd million. He took that risk trying to win a championship. And this is one of the circumstances that it's backfired pro, you know, because he arguably was a cog in a big machine of, of stars, got hurt numerous times. You could argue that if he signed that three years, 50, he'd have security. But not only that, he'd be playing 35 minutes a game and his numbers would still be all-star contention, right? But um, yeah, how do you see it? I just wanted to bring it up because it's the other side of the coin that people don't often talk about. All everyone talks about is Marcus, oh, he's, he's hurt now, he's injured, he's washed up. I still think he's a good player, um, but he, he does have injury issues. There are some kind of locker room issues at times. Um, although I will say behind the scenes, he's actually a pretty fun guy to be around as, as, much, as a bad of a rap as he gets. But he took that risk pro for that mid-level, turned down probably arguably more money long-term, and, and this is a case where you'd have to say it, it backfired, right? Yeah, I mean, the league's full of stories like this. And unfortunately, you know, players sort of make a decision like this to say, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself and do this. So I can get more. It, it did backfire to a sense. But like a couple of things, injuries, the league has changed. You know, big guys aren't worth what they used to be worth. The injuries really started to you know, to sort of pile up his attitude, let's be honest, wasn't the greatest. Although Mike Malone was probably the best, probably got the most out of him than any of the coach that, that had him because like he didn't take any of his shit and he, and he was very direct. I do notice with players like that, look, some of them you can never get to, you could talk to them all day long. They're not going to, they're not going to say what, but I do know, I do know this, a majority of the NBA, if you're straight up and honest about where they fit, and where you, you know, where you see them and where they, where they see things and where you see things and you have honest conversations and you, let's be honest, 80% of the coaches in the league do not have honest conversations with players that, that you could probably get the most out of them and, and he could be pretty good. But the injuries, the attitude, the blow ups, the flare ups, the, you know, the bad media, it, it, it really hurt him. And then let's be honest, it's a copycat league. If, you know, 
with a guy like that, it's the same thing I've seen with Antoine Walker. It's the same thing I've seen with Allen Iverson. They'll take the the hard stuff from a player that doesn't have the greatest of attitudes for a while, as long as they're putting up numbers and they're producing. Once they start falling a crack below that, then nobody nobody wants to give them a chance, and they they want to excommunicate them. And I think that that's what that's what it was. I think most of the teams are like you know what. We're not going to take this chance on him. He's done. And then, like, we don't want to deal with it. And it's a problem because, like, your reputation is like your credit rating. That shit doesn't go away for about seven fucking years. If they see you as a problem, it doesn't matter how reformed you are. I mean, you can go to Neil, you know, you can go to uh, Joel Osteen and, you know, steal the money that Osteen, you know, put in his fucking toilet or something, you know, in his church. But, like, you could change yourself totally. And they don't care. They're not going to give you that chance. And I've heard, I've heard what you said. I've heard he's not the best, worst guy in the world. He's a pretty good guy. But I think people are over him. I think people are over him. They're done with him. And you know, unfortunately, thank God Milwaukee gave him a chance. You know, I don't want to see anybody blackball from the league. But it's going to be really hard for a team to really give him a hard look. To be honest with you, folks. Yeah, I agree. But look, I mean, it was just announced a couple of days ago. Brook Lopez has had um, back surgery out yeah. indefinitely, could be out the season. They've it's been kind of open ended, and backs uh, you just don't know. A back could be back surgery could be nine months, twelve months, three months, six weeks. You just don't know, right? Um, so uh, you know, it's a, I guess it's a in that culture. You know, Demarcus has been on championship runs now with the Warriors. He's been in playoff runs. He's been on both sides of the coin. You hope I think there's a role for him if Brooks out. Um, I, I really do. Um, you know, they're playing Portis at the five. They're going to need some beef sometimes, Embiid, those kind of guys. He can shoot the ball from three at times, streaky. You know, he's a shell of himself injury-wise. But I, I hope, I just hope he gets a, a second chance and doesn't screw it up. And I hope he gets that second chance. But just an interesting one I thought it was it was good to discuss considering, you know, the flip side of, of, of taking that risk and betting on yourself sometimes when he, you know, arguably could have just taken that. That, that shorter deal still at a high rate somewhere else, but he elected for the championship and, and it kind of has backfired because he hasn't really been on a roster since then. So we'll continue to watch that space. As you mentioned, just quickly, some injuries. Bam out of bio, out four to six weeks of the thumb. That's huge out for Miami. They now have to start Dwayne Dedman for the most part, and they're pretty thin at the at the five. Dame is out 10 days. He's about five days into that. They don't look good without him, I'll say that, but he's out with with some sort of ab strain, which they've worded fancily, but it's a, it's an ab, ab tweak, ab strain. So they are a pain in the ass because they affect everything you do with your back and your hips and your glutes. And you, as soon as your core gets a strain like that, you got to kind of let it heal properly. But that, that, that's the injury front. Did you see the subtle shade thrown at Vogel by Anthony Davis and LeBron James, pro. Did you see this? I did not see it, folks. Uh, let me know what's up. Well, so after their loss um, to the Clippers, LeBron James comment on Tyron Lue. As a coach, he just he he doesn't have a weakness, quote unquote. Now, you might not look at that too pointedly, but then you move on to Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis credited Ty Lue's play calling down the stretch for the Clippers, saying that he found ways to take advantage of the Lakers' aggressive rotations. How long? How long does Vogel last? Does he last a season, Pro? Because it's uh, that mm-hmm. to me, reading between the lines. Once you have other players, passive aggressive complimenting of rival coaches. I know LeBron's played for him and their boys and whatever, but I look at that as like, holy shit! You, you kind of there's some shots fired there subtly if if you know how to read between the lines, Pro. Yeah, I sort of get the feeling that David Fisdale is going to be coaching that team by February, you know, by a trade deadline, just because of how the team's doing. Look, like even if it, th- even that, if that was meant to be innocent, 
you have to have some self-awareness of what your coach is going through. And your championship you know, winning be, coach, bro. This isn't just like a. This is what yeah. boggles my mind. Like this isn't a, a lackey that they've just signed, put a super team together. Oh, it's not working. We need to move on. Like he, he's won a championship there just two years ago. Won a championship. Had a hell of a run in Indiana when he was a coach there. I know him. I worked with him in Boston. I think he's a. He has a tremendous basketball mind. But the problem is, you got into the ocean with some big sharks. You know, it's, it's different if you're a small market team. It's different if you're even a mid-market team. You're coaching LeBron James. No one coaches LeBron James, by the way. You know, Spolster was the only one who ever coached him. Everyone else let him do whatever he wanted. And, you know, sometimes you won with it. Mostly you didn't, you know, um, in, in a lot of situations. So it's a tough situation to be in because if you win, he won't give you much credit. And if you start wavering, if you start losing, he'll start throwing out subtle jabs like this. And that's what he does. That's what he's done for every one of his coaches. Now, didn't really stick up for many of his coaches. I'm not saying any of them. I don't I don't follow him like that. But there hasn't been many instances where he actually stuck up for his coach. And you got to be self-aware of what he's going through. You know, you're like, look, he's struggling. A little, the team's struggling a little bit. The roster isn't great. You can't really compete with good teams. You can, only, you know, it takes marathon efforts to beat average teams. And you're going to throw your coach under the bus who's a gr- very good fucking coach. Very good coach. And you're going to throw him under the bus. It's it's not fair, but that's the league. Vogel gets to, you know, for I mean, the trade-off is he gets about $7 million a year. So, I mean, you got to deal with this bullshit, but you're getting, you know what you were signed up for. You knew when you were coaching LeBron James what that was going to mean. You know, if you thought he was going to be Dane Willard sticking up for you and stuff, that's just not him. He's never been like that. It is what it is. You know what you signed up for, and it's not looking great. It's not it's not Vogel's fault. The team isn't very good. I don't care. You know, I don't care if he's got all Red Hour back, Phil Jackson, Bill Belichick's plays in his playbook. He ain't gonna, you know, you ain't gonna squeeze wins out of that team against good teams. And you know, unless you get really lucky. You know, hopefully we're we're in April. We're still talking about Frank Vogel. I just don't think it's gonna happen. I think February by February he's probably gonna be gone, just because of how things are going with these statements and then just how the team's playing. And uh, like I said, not his fault, but it is what it is. Yeah, Lakers win. LeBron is the main reason. Lakers lose. Vogel is the main reason. Interesting how that all works, but we all know. Just quietly, like like we said a couple of weeks ago, Palinka. Nothing, nothing really discussed about that roster that he put together that just fits like two pieces of a puzzle that just won't go together, but that's a story for another day. Tristan Thompson, pro, has a fan ejected for a Kardashian pun now. Geez, we might be Nostradamus, you and I, because we predicted this exact same thing with the LeBron issue a couple of weeks ago in Indiana, getting the fans thrown out, and we didn't really know exactly what was said. There was rumors it was, like I said last podcast, around LeBron's family um, and death threats. If that's the case, then you know probably the right decision, but that's all hearsay because we don't know exactly what was said, but there is a slippery slope, bro, and this is one of them. He's, he, uh, I'm not sure what was said, but if it was most of the internet comments around the Kardashians, even comments that probably you and I have made about Kardashians, should a fan be thrown out for that? I don't think so. I think if it's playful, you know, banter. We talked about this before. Like, if it's banter, look, that's what play. That's what fans do. As long as they're not like like brutally, you know, it's going at you, they leave their seat. You know, those are things that I don't like. But if they're just being playful, you know, talking about whatever, as long as they're no bodily harm. You know, your wife's ugly, whatever. Like, all right, like, what are you going to do? I mean, it's a fucking fan. That's what they've been doing. You know, they're middle-aged, the middle-aged white guys that fucking put, 
you know, to put, you know, to wear jerseys, you know, they're still 45 years old wearing fucking jerseys, you know, yelling, scream with a foam fucking finger. Like, you know, that's what they are. They've been like that since the 1950s. So, you know, it's just deal with it. And, you know, there's a, there's got to be a certain level that you're going to have to deal with as a player. It is what it is. Well, it just seems like there's no level. It should be, that's what it seems like. It just seems like, you know, there should be no interaction, which I agree with. I, I enjoy people that would heckle me creatively because I go back at them and, and, try to go after them and go for their neck as well for the most part. But, you know, obviously family drawing the line. But if it's something as much as like, hey, do you have a tattoo of number 675 for the number correlating to boyfriend slash husband the Kardashians have had? You know, like if it's something like that, you're just like, oh, what are you going to do? Like it's, it's half true. It's funny. Yeah. Like she's known to be, uh, you know, likes to get out and about with a lot of different gentlemen, whatever the word is used is politically correct today. For that, it does become scary when you can just start pointing people out in the crowd and like I said, the security guards are trained and taught that player points at someone courtsider in the in the audience, they get they get thrown out without even pleading their case, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. There's no, I mean, look, it's so fast, and 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 they got to act so fast and quick with it because the game's going on. They got to stop play. The, you know, the 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 fan hat doesn't have their time in court. They're going to get ejected nine point nine times out of ten, and they're, it's they're, they're not going to have a chance to defend themselves. So. What are you going to do? And you're going to throw the fan out. And in a lot of cases, they're paying $1,000, $1,500, for their seat. You know, and now you're going to throw that courtside fan out. I mean, some of them deserve it, but not many of them do, let's be honest. And yeah, it's a slippery slope. And and now, like, you're kicking out, you know, you don't have a great fan base as it is. It's dwindling. And and now you're going to throw them out for little things. Like, if if you get, like, that fat dude that got into Westbrook's face and gave him the finger... You know, stuff like that. You usually see that on memes and stuff. Like, yeah, maybe. You know, if they get up and try to do something to a player and get in their face, that's one thing. But if they're just going to, like, yell shit, I mean, that's what fans do. They're fucking pains, you know, the pains in the asses. But what are you going to do? They're fucking fans. It's fun. It's, you know, it's like that guy in Philly that writes all that I shit down say, on the chalkboard. How long he gets banned? I had that on top of my mind. I think he told, like... I told Salah or something, Salah Mejri, like something about his green card. And like Salah laughed at it. Like, you know, like it's right, like, because he's in the huddle behind Carlisle. He, Carlisle's drawing up the play and we're looking at it and he laughs because it's fucking funny. Like, I mean, you know, because Salah's good. You know, you could joke with Salah like that. And like Salah wasn't like, oh, you got to throw that guy out. Like you just sort of take the good with the fucking bad. But that's our society, folks. It's like anything they're going to complain about and they're going to go nuts about. Yeah, it's slippery slope stuff, man. It's just robotic. You turn people into robots. I want personality. Sometimes people stray over the line and, and, and they get in trouble. But for the most part, you want you want people to have personality and do yeah. you really want everyone to be like sheep and everyone just following line and the same thing and oh, I can't say anything or there's a player I want to boo him but I might get kicked out. I can't boo now. Like it's And I'm saying this as an athlete to play. Like I'm all for booing in hostile environments. It was awesome going in college, going to some of these Jesus Christ can you imagine college I, don't, how do, I wonder if they get booted out oh, I, I wonder if they get booted out because we used to go we used to go to um, stadiums in college and I remember going to New Mexico they had a guy named Snake I don't know if he's still there if he, if he, if he is shout out to Snake and he looked like Snake from the Simpsons you know the dude with the, the tattoo and whatever yeah yeah, yeah, he used to wear that, a, white, yeah. a white wife beater. He had a mullet. He had tat- arm tattoos, like skinny, like just looked like he lived in a, in a trailer park caravan, right? He would come to the yeah. he would come to the arena, and I used to have like this long mop head. He he was waiting where our bus pulls up at the arena. This is three hours before tip. 
He'd be waiting there and he had, he had a bottle of shampoo and conditioner in his hand with my name on it, like kind of pretending to pour on. He said, hey, Bogan, I've got this for you, like heckling me off the bus, bro. <laughs> yeah. Then he, then he, he, they used to let this dude in early. He would come, he'd sit behind the basket stanchion during our pre, pre, pre game warm ups when no fans in the building. He'd already be heckling us, like right. talking shit to us. And, and it was fun. Like, and the best part was we, we smacked their ass that night. Oh, no, sorry. They smacked our ass that night. We went to college. So we went, we stopped at uh, Burger King of all places on the way to the way to the hotel. He was in the, he was in the Burger King. And, and we had a laugh about it. Of course. It. I saw the dude and I was like, I hate you, man. Like, that was, he goes, oh, it's all fun, man. I just love my New Mexico Lobos. I'll do anything for him. I'll die for him. I love that shit. It's great. As, as, and I was on the receiving end yeah. of it. But it wasn't anything like, you know, I hope you die, this, that, this, that. And even so, if it was, it, I'd just ignore it. It's like, it's a stupid fan that's trying to get you off off your mark. Like, another story, Pro. Do you remember this one? I can't remember who the player was. Um, I think it was a player at North Carolina or Duke. He, um, this was when Facebook was first at kind of starting. They, um, they catfished a guy, right? So they, they had um it was a university of maryland student section they somehow found one of the one of their star players on facebook messaged him and went back and forth they did a profile as this hot chick and they're going back and forth yeah when you come to maryland let's hook up i'll come to your hotel room we'll have our fun blah 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 back and forth back and forth back and forth and then i guess she blew him off the night before the game or whatever and then the dude gets to warm-ups and they've got all the text messages basically printed out on placards and they're, they're like chanting the girl's name during warm-ups and the dude was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know who it was? Who? It was Gabe Pruitt. Yeah, there you it go. was you. He played USC, UCLA, and they catfished him. I do remember that story. I, I knew it was West Coast, but no, there was yeah, a Maryland like one as they, well. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was a Maryland one as well. Oh, there yeah, was Maryland but, too. Yeah, there was. There's a. That's what they do. Like, what are you, you going to do? Point that. Yeah. Hey, ref, can you throw that guy out? He catfished me. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> It's just hilarious. That's college. A whole other level, man. Oh, without question. And look, you have to have a certain amount of tolerance. There is a there is a line. But no one ever tells you that fucking line. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, tell them, like, at least make a rule. Like, if it's this, if it's anything like this and up, we're going to throw you out. Like, I know it's, I know it's like, stupid that you have to even have to say the rule. But, like, at least... At least give them something where they're like not going to just get uh, again. But they, there's no, there's no court, there's no jury, there's no, they're done, they're out. Like they, they have no way to defend themselves, you know. And it's crazy if you could just get them thrown out by saying anything, you know. And then like I've seen some things where a player instigated to a fan, a fan went back at him, and then they, the the player had the fan ejected. So it's like, you know, like what the fuck? Like wh- when does it end? But I don't know, Bones. I got enough to fucking worry about. Yeah, you know, I'm not worried about fucking courtside fans getting fucking ejected. Let's be honest. That are doing pretty well financially. They don't get a lot of sympathy. Yeah, I'm worried about intermittent fasting. Of you know, I'll start with 20 minutes and go up. You know, on my fasting. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. See what happens, eh? All right, the Bulls just quickly. Mark Stein has announced, this was from his his announcement, um, the NBA announces a slap on the wrist penalty or penalties for Chicago and Miami. In the sign and trade, it has been investigating since August. Jeez, six, seven month, six month investigation almost. Involving Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry. Both teams only lose one second round pick each, bro. So I guess you can tamper just a little bit and we'll just take one pick off you. Yeah, like picks in the 50s too, like like high 40s or low 50s. Yeah, Come cares? on, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if it's, you know, and it's something that like you're screaming about, you're yelling about, oh, we got to have integrity in our league. You know, look, I, I don't want anybody, I don't want to see anybody get penalized, but like if that's what you're crying about, if you want integrity in your league and you find out teams that, you know, were cheating, 
then you know what? I, I mean, it's not as big, but I remember with Kevin McHale in in Minnesota. I, you know, they had some they had some deal with Garnett already done. They took like multiple draft picks away from them. No, Joe Smith. It wasn't the Garnett. It was Joe Smith. They had a free agency deal before July one done with Joe Smith, and like they found out about it, and they the league like they they took multiple first round picks. You find them millions of dollars. I, I think they even fined McHale or suspended McHale for it. Like, you send a message. Do not fuck with us or or, or this is what's going to happen. But when you take a second round pick away, come on, man. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that's that's not... Like I said, I don't want to see anybody get fucking penalized and shit. But, like, you, you're going to penalize them a second round pick? I mean, you know, it's like being in San Francisco. You could, like, murder somebody. You'll be out in 20 minutes for a $10. You could give them Monopoly money. You'll be out in the street in 20 minutes. That's what you're basically saying. You could do whatever the fuck you want, and we'll take a second round pick from you. It's, eh, it's, not, the, it's not the harshest of penalties, if I, if I were to say it. Yeah, long investigation for considering that's all they came up with. That's why it was, it was pretty funny for me to read. Yeah, for sure. But uh, And it's can of freedom. Name change. It's get, getting a bit much for me now, Pro. Like I was kind of not not defending Ennis, but I agreed with his sentiments um, to an extent. I agreed that I agreed on both sides. I agree that he cop shit as well. If he was in the position of um, getting money from Nike, would he be making these comments? And then uh, he's worn Nikes. That whole con- you know conflict of interest there with his comments. But I agreed with the sentiment about about LeBron. But now I think it's just getting too much. Like the whole the whole. Changing your name to freedom, dude. Like, I see you running politics for him when he's done playing. I, I think feel like that's where he's positioning himself. He did make some valid points, though, on his – I think he was on – was it Fox News? Tucker Carlson, maybe, where he said that he – you know, America is a great place to live when you come from another country, and I would agree with that. You know, America, Australia, these, these countries are fantastic to live, but I think the people that are born and raised here think it's – at times, you can criticize to an extent, but uh, on the same page, they make it out like it's 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 hell. Um, but – I guess when you come from from countries that are doing it a bit tougher, you appreciate it. So I agree with your sentiment there, but changing your name to freedom, I mean, what next? <laughs> yeah, I really think that, like, I do think he wants to fight for this. I, I do think that he's all he's all in on every type of, you know, human right, right, trying to do things. And that's cool. Like, you know, I, I gave him a little shit in the last couple of weeks for this stuff and about hypocritical stuff if, he, if he's in LeBron's shoes and all that. But I do think he's like he's real for that. I do think that this reeks a little bit of, look at me, you know, getting attention and, and doing a little bit too much. That's his own business. He wants to change his fucking name. Let him change his name. I've known Ender since he was like 17 years old. Like I was there like the day he left for Turkey to go to the United States. He worked out in Chicago with Grover for a while before he even went to Kentucky or anything like that. Great fucking kid. You know, great fucking kid. But, yeah, it just seems a little bit like, all right, man, it's a little bit too much now with the shoes and this and that. And what else is next, man? I mean, tattooing it to his face. I mean, that would actually be pretty cool if he did that. But anyways, like, <laughs> I don't freedom. <laughs> Hashtag freedom or some shit. I don't know, man. Like, all right, we get it. We get it, but let's move on, man. You know, it's enough as yeah, a fucking rough. I think it's just too much, too much theatrics with it. Start, it starts to diminish your message after a while a little bit, I think, when you start yeah. doing things like that. The league, man, NBA, dropping like flies with COVID. Fully vaccinated league by reports. Boosters, what is it, December 1, wasn't it? Is that Was that the date they have to get them by? So full, fully vaxxed league. Massive COVID cases again today. Shut the, basically, 
most of the starting lineup from from um, the Hornets is 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 out. Uh, numerous other guys, LeBron was in and out, which was a story in itself. But uh, it's it's prevalent again. It doesn't look like it's going away. But um, the one thing is this new variant, from what I've read, is is as much of a sniffle as as your average cold, the Omicron. But yeah, it's still still an issue in the NBA, and it's 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 the reason why we mention it isn't to go on another COVID round. I'm sure people have heard that enough. It's more that this could once again severely impact championship favorite teams, the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix. They get a case before the playoffs that runs through their team. They get a, a case during the playoffs and miss a star player. It could um, really change who's there at the end of the day holding the trophy, bro. Yeah, Bogues, I just don't want it to affect my fucking fantasy team. Man. I don't give a fuck <laughs> about the championship teams. Right now, knock on wood, it's been fine. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be one of these things, you know, testing, false positives, all this stuff. It's going to be, you know, they'll probably ramp up testing, I would assume, and, you know, and all this stuff. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's it seems like it's like a never-ending, right? Like, there's always something that, that's being harped on. So, it'll be an interesting deal. I'm glad our boy Lawndale's out of it. He, he had it once and he's over it and, you know, go from there. So, he gets it again and then gets another... 14 days you know that's that's what's crazy about it you got guys that are fully 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 vaccinated you got guys that have had it before and then had it again they still have to go through the 14 days that, you know I, I guess because they're contagious and whatnot but um yeah it's just an interesting time it'll, it'll just be really it could have huge ramifications like i said for who's who's holding the trophy at the end of the day so hopefully no more cases but Embiid, another prime example just came back i believe he was in the protocol for a while they they hit a downhill spiral now they now he's back on the floor so and it can cause problems with 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 other players and having to play more minutes injuries who do you call up so it'll be fun to watch that space um let's get to the australian nbl real quick pro you probably wouldn't call any of these games but um we spoke about it a little bit via text look at the perth wildcats some love they look good some people have picked them out of the four they will not be out of the four in my opinion bryce cotton obviously everyone knows mvp candidate every year but vic law man do you know much about vic law he, he is i liked him chicago kid yeah. yeah i liked him a lot he was with the bullets last season kind of injury affected year last year didn't play a lot he's kind of a three four twinner in our league and it's interesting because they play him they play him at the three and as soon as you put a three on him he goes down on that block and punishes him you put a four on him he takes him outside and go off the dribble like really multifaceted player he had i think he finished with 37 the other night probably should have had 40 missed a few dunks later in that game that's hard to do in fever ball and it just all came at ease. He was getting the free throw line. He was posting up. He was hitting threes. So I'll give the Wildcats some love. They beat Adelaide 36's team who some people have tipped in the top four. They've retooled completely. I still don't, I'm not sold on them because they have a rookie head coach. I think it'll take him a year or two to get that system thriving. But um, Vic Law, have you have you had much to do with him other than just knowing his college history? Anything in the G League? Worked him out in the high school and when he was in high school. I believe he went to St. Rita High School in Chicago. I did some workouts with the kid and good kid, works hard. I've heard about some of the coaches that coached him throughout like in college and things you know really good player really tough hard-nosed kid so i'm happy for him i think he i think that you know that level i think he could be great you know great at international level and feeble level just you know because he wears it on his sleeves he, he he goes hard i think it's He's a, he's a fun player to watch. He'll be good. Definitely, yeah. So, uh, look, I still have them as – they're one of the teams to beat, in my opinion. They were missing two of their starters in, in Mitch Norton and Dodd Blanchfield, and they still managed to to beat a team that some have as championship favorites at home on their home floor. They have, you know, starting off the season with a massive home bend, so they'll, they'll be – in pretty good nick um, coming five or six games with five or six straight home games. But um, yeah, look out for them. Congratulations to the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. So they are a new team pro that just the first season, um, inaugural season, they're down in Tasmania. Yes. If you know where that is, pro, you look at a map of Australia, that little island that's broken off, that's Tasmania. Huh. 
It is a Scott uh, Roth is coaching that team. Scott right? Roth is coaching that team. He got his first win against, in controversial fashion, in overtime against uh, the Brisbane Bullets down there in Tasmania. They had almost five thousand fans there, which is sensational. It's a city of what are they at? I hope about two hundred forty odd thousand people to get five thousand uh-huh. there for almost five thousand. Brand new arena, great story, and you just love to see small markets having people turn up, and they got a win. So congratulations to them. The, the name I'm still not sold on, the Jack Jumpers Pro, but we'll take it with a win. Such a chat Yeah, shit. That's good. Now, um, somebody told me, I think I was talking to somebody, does the league own them? Like who owns it? Some eh. Yeah. Doesn't it like the league own the team? Yeah, so the league own so the league owns the team, they form the franchise. They will obviously try to sell it off down the track to maybe some local investors in Tasmania. The other thing the league own, I believe, or all the all Larry Kesselman owns is is the is the arena and the complex down there with a deal with state government there and the leasing rights to that, I believe. That's how it's done. And then the whole waterfront for the owner of the NBL is a big property developer. So I assume that um, he's got contracts to build all the apartments and commercial and residential uh, infrastructure along along the water there. But a beautiful arena on the water there. It's a quarter part of the world pro but it's a very very i think it's got i think it's rated the cleanest air in the world pro um other than antarctica no shit other than antarctica i believe it could be wrong but i know it's, it's up there with how clean and you know um a lot of a lot of wineries down there valleys kind how of. would you compare it to an like a, a u.s city uh, can you compare it like mm. How would I compare it? Oh, it's, look, it's a bit cold. It doesn't snow. It might get snow every now and then randomly, but it, it is cold because you get that Antarctic wind from the from the south. Um, what would I compare uh-huh. it to? Probably Park City-ish, uh, but not not as high end. Obviously, just a uh-huh. everyday everyday city, but something like that. It's a smaller city, smaller town, but just beautiful. Uh, undulating plains, you know, wineries, cellar doors, restaurants, clean, healthy produce. You can get you know all that kind of stuff, and and there you, you can only get there by by plane or or, or ship. There's a there's a, a cruise liner that you can drive your car on from from Victoria, Melbourne, and and, and go. I think it takes overnight to get there, so it's it's not as accessible and easy to get to. So it stays kind of pristine, you know, which is pretty cool. But yeah, congratulations to them. Whenever you start a new franchise, getting your first win, Scott Roth, rookie NBL coach, has done a good job. And I look, I'm going to be honest, I have them picked last uh, just because they're, they're ro- inaugural seasons are hard. A la Bobcats, a la Orlando Magic. Um, you're usually getting some veterans that have bounced around. They have a decent mix. I just don't see their talent over the course of a season being enough to get them enough wins and I think they're one injury away from from really being in some trouble um, they, they do have uh, Majet who is a, a really good scorer there uh, American import um, so they, they have a good they have a good balanced roster but I think you know Brisbane could easily won that game went to overtime some questionable calls late but congratulations to them nonetheless yeah I'm afraid of Scott Roth man he's a scary looking dude he, he looks like he get a head butt you from across the court fuck that let him win He's actually Let a nice guy. He was, he was a he was a scout. He really is. He was a scout when I was in really Milwaukee Bucks for many years, and then he went over to Toronto. Yeah, he's he's actually a harmless dude. But um, I thought, yeah, yeah I, I didn't know a lot about his coaching pedigree. I know he was in the G League for a bit, so they they took a risk there, and it seems to have paid off. Early days yet, but congratulations on their first win. Some news from a couple of podcasts ago, Liz Cambridge Pro. We spoke about oh the whole rep, her whole reprimand from Basketball Australia, which was basically a washing of the hands. It was nothing at all. But yesterday there was a breaking story, and why is this big news? A number of reasons. She was not named in the 2022 World Cup squad. Why that's big news is the World Cup's in Australia. It's in it's in Sydney next next year, bro. She was not named in the squad. Now people might say, "Well, can she be named later?" But it looks like they're saying, "Nah, we're done. We're done with uh, Liz Cambridge with the national team for now, at least, or at least this next World Cup." Is it that she doesn't want to be involved? Is it that they don't want her involved? Who knows where the truth lies? But an interesting one, considering the penalty that she received for the issues of the Nigerian national team and whatnot were nothing. To now do this, it it, it doesn't smell that that good, bro. So there's obviously like we like we agreed. There's it was. Inadequate. The board of trustees 
Yeah, the board of trustees didn't vote on it. Only fans did, and she didn't get in, so she's out. <laughs> now, was it fans or only fans, bro? That's the question. Only fans vote. Yeah, only fans. Well, only fans vote. And she, she didn't get in because she's supplementing her income with only fans. If you want to check that out, we'll give her only fans page a shout out. Don't send me this shit. I don't want to see the pictures or videos. Keep that to yourself. That's for you and a night and a bo- possibly a box of tissues. But other than that, I want to know about it. Tissues for crying? Sure, pro crying. Let's, let's leave it at that. Crying, crying. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there are some. There are some people out there that like that kind of thing, and that's your decision. Stats, useful and useless. Let's dig into this Memphis 73-point win, bro. I'm going to read through these. The Athletic was calling for Presti's head, obviously. But let's get on with it. Memphis scored its 80th point with nine minutes and 39- uh, Yeah, nine minutes, 39 to play in the third quarter. The Thunder- Finished with 79 points total. Even though the Grizzlies went on to score 72 more points after this point, they could have gone scoreless from the nine minute, 39 second mark of the third quarter and still won the game pro. (laughs) That's mind boggling in itself. Um, The Grizzlies bench, 83 points, outscored the Thunder as a team. Pro Santi Aldama recorded a plus minus of plus 52 in 28 minutes played, the third best plus minus in any game in NBA history. And this guy barely plays any minutes during the regular season. Jeremiah Robertson Earl and uh, Dort, minus 56, minus 53 respectively, finished with the second and third worst plus minus in any game in NBA history. And finally, the Grizzlies offense jumped from 12th to 6th in one game. <laughs> How about all that, bro? Useful or useless? All of it's useful. Oh, man. All of it's useful. That's some fucking stat muse. I don't give him a lot of fucking, you know, I don't give him a lot of praise. I'll give him them praise on this stuff. I don't think this that is... one was them, actually. I think that was, I got that from sportingnewsnba.com, an Australian version. All so. right, and they can fuck off then. All right, they stat can Muse fuck have off our then. next few, though. Shout out to Snap Muse. We like them. They came on the podcast <laughs> many episodes ago. But then amazing stats. The one that got me was like, they could have went scoreless basically from the 10 minute mark of the third quarter and still won. That's insane. I got to look at that. I didn't look at the run they made. Like I said, I looked at, I watched like a lot of the first quarter uh, before, right before our call in stuff. And uh, it it just looked like a normal game. Like they were missing a couple of shots. The game was relatively close. And that run must have been unbelievable. It's crazy. And it's funny, like I'm doing. It wasn't even that crazy though. Look at the quarter to quarter. It was 31 to 16, 41 to 20, 41 to 26. Then they finished 39 to 17. And like you said, if you're watching the game, you're like, oh yeah, they'll get it back down to 30 or 20 at the end of the game with, with, with bench players. But man, it just went the other way. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm doing you know, I'm doing this exercise to try to like learn teams a little bit more, like like doing the betting lines just to pick games, not betting, but you know, and I looked at that game and I'm like, eh, I thought it was gonna be relatively close because I didn't I didn't know about the injury stuff. And then I look and I'm like, why didn't I pick this fucking game? Like I should have I stayed away from it, but then I'm looking at they're up 70. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's crazy, man. That's you can never say never, but it's going to be hard to beat that fucking record, man. It is. It's going to be hard to beat that plus minus, yeah. Even someone just getting a 152 this season is going to be harder to do. <laughs> you know, Oof. like the other team scored 79. All right, next one. So I say that's useful as well. I like those stats and they are history mm-hmm. making. So unfortunately, those guys are going to be in the history books for a long, long time. Jared Allen, last six games pro, according to StatMuse, 28 and 13, 77% from the field. 19, 11, five blocks, 88% from the field. 28, 
14, 71% from the field, 19 and 11 at 89% from the field, 25 and 11, 90% from the field, and 20 and 15 in his in his last game. Useful or useless? Definitely useful. It's just not only that, they're winning some games too. So it's not just like they're losing by 30 every night and he's putting up these numbers. I mean, he's he's built himself into an all-star caliber center, you know, at least an all-star, like in the in the conversation for being an all-star. And shout out to my both of my fantasy teams because I got him on both teams. But I think he's really good. I think he's what JaVel McGee should have been if JaVel didn't have that tomfoolery with him. I, I think he's a, you know, he's a hell of a roller, rebounder, has some skill to his game, can run. Um, I, I think he's a very good player. They won. You know, when we discussed that trade last year, you know, we, we both thought that they won that trade by getting that kid. That kid is a very good fucking player, and I think it's very useful. What do you think? Have you have you watched many of their games, Pro? I haven't. I haven't watched many Cavs games. Yeah. You'd hardly think that Jared Allen is a guy they're ISOing and throwing on the block. He's he, How's he getting most of his buckets? It's, it's lobs, rebounds, just outworking guys because yep. most of his games are 60, 70, 80% from the field. So it's a testament to, to kids out there that, you know, as hard as it is to hear sometimes that we don't need you to be the one or two option. We need you to be, a, you know, a kind of a decoy or a roller or help our guards and, and just be a lob for it. Man, he, he can still, he's 20 and 10 a night, you know, more the last six games just by doing that. And I, it's, it's rolls, lobs, dunks. You know, if you get a little driving kick. Mm. 20 and 10, it is his bank accounts 40 and 30. You know, he's averaging 40 and 30 because he's making a hundred plus million in this fucking, and then this is what this guy does. You know, and he'll post up when they switch, you know, 1-5 switch and all that, and he'll do some things, but they, it ain't like they're just, you know, burying him down on the block and just everybody's getting out of the way. He does a job, he's very good at it, and he just punches it through the fucking wall. And he just, like, he impacts the game. And that's any young player, you got to impact the game. And that's what he does. And he doesn't try to do things that he can't do. You know, he could probably build on it a little bit over the years now because he solidified his spot. Because remember, we talked about, you know, they, they've got their draft pick. They got him. They got Kevin Love. We didn't know, you know, we talked about the rotation of who's going to do what. Well, he solidified his spot. He, solid, he could solidify an all-star spot. And now he could start building on that. That's that's awesome, man. He's a he's a heck of a player, man. He's, he's not Will Chamberlain or anything, but he's a pretty good player. Yeah, and he's, elite, he's an elite shot blocker for the most part too. So he's a very, very good shot blocker to have back there as an insurance policy with, with the amount of guards and length they have. And like we've said, three seven-footers in the starting lineup when healthy. If they get to a championship, we might see the league turn its tack pro. We might see that, that uh, hoisting up too many threes thing. Turn on its head, but uh, I highly doubt it. But we'll see. This is the one team, if you want to get back to old school basketball, cheer for this team because three biggers in the starting lineup is fun to see. That is useful, in my opinion, and we'll get to we'll get to Jared Allen in fact or fake news a little bit later in this podcast. Last one, Anthony Davis Pro. This is as of last week from StatMuse, so it's changed a little bit, but how about these stats? Anthony Davis, 16.7% on three-point percentage. That is the worst in NBA history for a minimum of two attempts per game and more than 20-plus games played. That's NBA History Pro. 38.3% mid-range is worse than the NBA as of today. Not history, just in the NBA this season in 100-plus shot attempts. 33.1% in jump shots, worse than the NBA for more than 150-plus shot attempts. Useful or useless? I think it's useful. I, I definitely three for think it's three. useful. You were three for I three mean, on, the, on the stats, Pro. Hell yes. Yeah, how about that? I'm, I'm turning a new leaf. But no, I think it is. It just goes to show like the types of shots he's taken. You know, he's, he's gone 
Well, I can, I, I remember I was breaking down some film of his when he was in New Orleans early in his career. And he'd be a face-up drive kind of guy. Face-up drive, run and hook, dribble drop, jump hook, face-up elbow. Like simple stuff. Pick and pop, pick and pop shot, pick and pop drive. I mean, I thought he was a better shooter than obviously what he's shown. But it goes to show you like, like he's like, you know, ISO fade away. You know, he's get, he gets, he takes a lot of contested shots. And look, he still puts up great numbers, but the the efficiency of of what he's doing, obviously, it's not adding up for him. And I think he's got to, you know, for them to win, he's going to have to change the way he's playing. You can't put those numbers up statistically on those percentages and have impact on them winning. And you got to change what you got to look in the mirror and change a little bit of how you approach this. You know, your shot selection, when you're shooting threes, contested versus not contested, all those things got to come into into play. And I think he's got to he's got to do he's got to do something with it. What do you think? Yeah, useful. I think getting him back on the block more would, would definitely help. Um, like you said, that turn face jumper, turn face rip through. He's he's tough to guard. He's so quick down there. I think the Lakers just get stuck in phases of uh, they're looking at you know between Russ, LeBron, AD. Like, hey, who's taking who's going to take the game over today? Like, who are we going? Who are we going through? It's kind of like waiting for someone else to to take it over, right? Um, that's what it looks like at times. I mean, AD doesn't love contact. It seems like at times if you put a big on him, he's going to pop more often than not and try to if his three ball is not working it's it's then you got to really attack that big and then he's risking getting hit and he need a knee collisions getting fouled hard and i know he doesn't want to do that not in a, not on a regular season so mentally it might just be I'll, I'll save this for the playoffs but it might be too little too late till then so they are you know whenever you're in nba history for a shooting percentage even for a quarter of a season it's not good um, i think he's at eight he's at 18 odd percent right now he, he made it was two for two and then he went oh for four in the next two games so he's boosted it up a little bit but yeah he's got a long way to go and if, if they're if any chance they need him they need him firing and they, they need some of their injuries to come back but an ever-aging team we're, we're both not sold on them fact or fake news what do you have this week folks we've talked about this many times the, on the pod but now that it happened now that Neil O'Shea got fired, do the Trailblazers look to blow it up and trade Dame Willard this season what do you think mm, well, I'm looking at their record right now they're 11 and 12 I had a bad loss the other night at home to um, San Antonio, which I actually picked. Um, I thought they'd win that game just because Dane was out. Uh, they're 1-10 on the road. Uh, funnily enough, they're 10-2 at home, um, but 5-5 five and five last 10. They're not, they're just so, they've are just been like this for the last three or four years, injuries or not, new coach or not. They're hot and cold. They'll go on streaks and then they'll actually go on streaks the opposite way, right? I think if their record does get any worse, I think it's fact. If they if they if they falter a few more games here in the next five, ten games, I think I would actively start looking to move Dame. Get something back now. McCollum's a little younger, right? So maybe you um you build around him a little bit more and get a good big or something like that, or, or another guard, three, four man. But with Olshay gone, who takes over? Have they, have they who who's taking over pro? Do we know? Just the assistant? Uh, a no name. Yeah, the assistant, a no name is going to get it. But they, they're talking about like Tayshawn Prince. You know, they're looking at, they're looking at guys like that. And they're, they're probably going to hire outside, uh, you know, outside the organization for this. You know, probably some some assistant GM somewhere. Trajan Langdon, I've heard names, people like that. Yeah, I think this season, I'm not sure. I think overall it's going to happen. I don't think Dame's going to be in Portland long term. So I'd say fact. I just don't know if it'll be this season or post. But the writing's on the wall, man. They're, they're, they're close. 
They're very, very close to just lighting that match and blowing things up and, and going for a rebuild. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's not going to happen this season. It, it, it'll happen. It won't happen this season. I, I still think McCollum's going to get traded. Maybe Powell will get traded to try to like maybe switch some things around, see if they can win, and then not get rushed into trading them by all-star break, by the trade deadline, and then maybe do it in the summertime and, and then just sort of package some things and, and blow the thing up. I think they'll give it one more you know, one more try with this, you know, the, throughout the season, see what they can do. I, I'm I, I'm a little skeptical that it's going to work. You know, it doesn't matter what type of trade they make. I think he, he's gone, but I, I think it's going to take some time for him to be gone. I think by next All-Star break, for sure, he'll be gone. But I, I just don't think they'll pull the trigger on it this year. I think they'll wait. They'll wait to hire a new GM, figure out what the new GM wants, you know, and give them some stuff. But then on the flip side, you know, if, if you if you interim GMs are not going to want to do it because you're an interim GM. And then if you're the new GM, do you want to be that guy that runs him out of, t- out of town the first season? So there's a lot of factors at play here. We know how that all goes psychologically sometimes, but um, I guess it's all going to come down to what the owner wants as well. No doubt about that. Second, we talked about the Indiana Pacers. They're struggling right now. They're near the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Do you expect them to make a major change to their roster before the trade deadline? I think they'll be an active player for sure. So f- whether it happens or not, I can't control. But fact in the f- in the sense that they're going to be an active player. But you just look at their roster and it's it's kind of a mishmash of a roster. Like it's all yeah. over the place. You don't you don't really know like who who, who are you going to late? Who are you not? I mean, Sabonis probably one of their b- best big options. Levert probably you know Levert slash Brogdon on your perimeter maybe. Um, it seems like Chris Duarte is a guy that can get him up as well. But a, a strange, a strangely Miles Turner, um, a strange mixed roster. I think they need to make a change. Um, but they've, you know, they, they've got a win now coach. That's that's what I understand with this with this play of getting him back there. I don't I don't think you know Rick's known for his overly great development of players, him individually, staff separate. Um, I think he's more of a guy that has a chance with any decent roster to get to the playoffs. So you know, you blow it up, then you've probably, in my opinion, got the wrong coach for a you know, a tank team or a team that's rebuilding. So I think that's why they won't go gung-ho on blowing it up. I think they'll be an active player if they get the right deal, but I don't think they're going to blow up and go tank mode in in the future just because they've got a coach there that probably won't want to be part of that. Yeah, I I do think that they're going to blow it up and make changes. I think they're going to try to trade. I don't know what's what they really have in the trade market for those guys. I think Sabonis has some value. You know, I think he has some value. He's a pretty, he's been at a pretty high level the last couple of years. Brogdon, he's got like, I think he's got another year after this one. I think he's 21-7 this year, 22-6 this year, uh, next year. He put up some good numbers. You know, he's been putting on good numbers there, but I just don't know the value of some of these guys and what you're going to get back. I don't think that they're going to trade them for – I don't think anyone's going to give you young assets for those players. I think you'll get expiring deals. I think you'll get – you know, you could get some draft picks and things. But I don't think you're going to get anything great, you know, for any of those players. And that's the thing. But, you know, in reality, look, nobody really wants to go to Indiana. You know, it's a, it's a place that you get drafted by. You get drafted by no real great free agent wants to go there. You're going to have to really develop your players. You're going to have to overpay, you know, B-level free agents to come there. You're going to have to extend the players that you draft, you know, so it's it's a, a very hard job to build. Look, when they were really good, you know, with Vogel coaching, you know, they had Roy Hibbert, they had, you know, Paul George, they had those guys. Well, they drafted those guys, you know, they, they didn't get any great free agent. Lance Stevenson, you know, they drafted Lance Stevenson, you know, so all those guys that really they made a run with, they drafted. And then, like, you know, do you have to overpay guys? Look, they had to overpay Brogdon. I don't think, I, I don't, you know, he put up some numbers, but I don't, I don't think he's a really great player in a winning team. So it's like, 
you know, who are they going to do? Miles Turner is okay, but he's not great. So I think you can, you can get off of these guys, but I don't think you're going to get great things in return. So, you yeah, know. Nothing trades, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, it, it'll be tough. They're just going to – I think that they're better than what they're showing, uh, you know, but they're, they're really struggling right now. But the Eastern Conference is much improved as well. So it's not it, – you know, it's not like the – cakewalk it used to be you know it's a pretty good week it's a pretty good conference so yeah it's uh it's interesting you know i think with what i think what really fucked indiana is washington and cleveland doing so well early you probably thought that they could get into like top eight you know but now they're at like like 13th in the league it's uh it's pretty it's pretty rough yeah charlotte chicago as well mm. i agree so Next one. I think we had, yeah, I think, I think we oh does jared allen make the all-star team i've listed other guys here so i guess unless i'm missing one pro um, Joel Embiid, East, Bam, both hurt in and out of lineups. And Vucevic, is anyone else at the five spot you put in the East there competing for it? Mm. Or Aldridge maybe? I mean, he's playing pretty well, but he, I think he hasn't played enough. Yeah, he wouldn't be a five that I would think. So Vooch, um, no, like Vooch, I would say, in, like you said, Embiid, out of bio, and I don't know how long out of bio is going to be gone, like legitimately gone for. Probably like could be what, like six weeks, six to, to six, eight weeks. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Fact. I think is I think it's a chance to make the All Star team if they continue to play the way they are, and and they're in the top six, seven. What are they right now? They are six right now. They're in sixth in the East. Yeah. Thirteen and ten. I think he'll make it based on that. His numbers as of now, as of today, we read off his his, his last six games, but his overall season numbers. 17 and 11 at 65 percent with a block a game pro so if that correlates to them being in that top area the top six i think fact i think he becomes an all-star i think bam's probably the unlucky one just because you know right before all-star he'll be he'll be back what four to six weeks from now probably he'll get two or three weeks in before the all-star game they'll probably have to ease him back vooch is the dark horse because they're playing so well i think he's got a chance to make it um in the, in the east and then Embiid obviously will make it because he'll be healthy from here on out barring an injury so whether they take three bigs is the other question three fives at least but i was looking at other even 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 four men in the east and you've got you know, who else are you looking at? Giannis. Julius Randle. Yeah, Julius Randle's there. I mean, Indiana's out now, so you can't look at Sabonis. What's KD classified as? I think he's he's more of a 2-3. Washington, no one really there. So I think he's got a chance. Charlotte, Philly, Boston, yeah, Atlanta. Collins, maybe, but their record's not good enough. So yeah, I think I think if it, it all depends how they word this whole centers versus forwards thing in the All-Star game. I think it's just, it's just guards and forwards now, isn't it? Um, then he, he probably has a chance. But if it's just the one center thing, then he's going to be unlucky, bro. What do you think? Yeah, I say he gets unlucky. Uh, I, I don't trust the NBA to do the right thing when it comes to voting guys in. You know, if we're talking about there's going to be no injuries. Now, with injury, like substitution and injuries, he could make it. I just don't think, like, I think that they'd put, they'd rather Embiid in. They'd rather Adebayo in, you know, Vooch maybe. I hope he makes it. I think he should make it. But I just don't trust the whole voting process of getting him in. So I say he's going to get unlucky. It's not great towards bigs, is it? It's not great towards fives. No, it really screws over five. No, because the whole the whole theory of our oh, fives aren't fun to watch. The you know the playmaking is all guards yeah. and forwards. It's the bigs have really been screwed out of all star spots. Um, being a big guy saying that it's yeah it's clear as day and it is what it is. So I, I somewhat agree, but I think he deserves it. Like seventeen and eleven at sixty five percent. It seems like he's 
you know, never out of his element. You know, and, and they're winning games. Like they're, they're playing. They were a team that none of us really picked to be. No, maybe, maybe, maybe fringe playing. If you were being, if you were being a little flirtatious with your picks, but uh, no one, no one picked them to be six at this point in the season. There's no chance in hell. And they could implode. Who knows? Um, but they've had a really impressive season. I like what they, I like what I see from them. So I will say fact, and you can say fake news, and we'll see. Um, if I lose, I've landed the NBA. So I've got, <laughs> I've got to cover. There you go. All right, let's wrap this up. So look, we did our call in. That was very, very good call in app if you want to join us live we had a pretty good joining today we're going to add that right after i finish this outro for the podcast um, so if you want to if you want to join call in next week they're generally at about midday melbourne sydney time and, and roughly 7 p.m texas time central so i think that's five pacific for those of you on on the west coast they are available now via website so it was only apple apple apps the app now or the the, the service works via their website call in all one word and for all you androiders it is coming soon they're working on the android right now but it's a awesome app you guys can jump online with us um, you make a little account kind of like a twitter or instagram account it takes you two minutes and then we can literally just push a button and you're online with us ask us, ask us a question and, and go back and forth and pretty enjoyable for the most part pro thanks man we will uh see you next week folks i'll check you next week brother all right everyone welcome to episode 45 q a by calling appreciate everyone joining got a few people waiting which is good so we'll get right into it pro you all good folks i'm i'm good brother i'm good what are you up to man Every day is a new day, man. You know, just uh, <laughs> my new yoga mantra. Oh, nice. You're, you're a yoga mantra guy. I like it. Yeah, I, I like to do yoga without the yoga. That makes sense. Uh, it makes perfect sense, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, let's roll. Welcome, everyone, to uh, episode 45 of the Q&A. Like I said, by calling, we have our first question going to Jared. So I'll put you up, unmute your mic, and fire away. Howdy, boys. How we doing? All good, all good. So, Bogues. Just get you to put your former NBL player on hat for a minute. And would you like to see an all-star game back in the NBL from a player's perspective? And then now as you as an owner as well, would you like to see it? I think so. I think um, eventually the, the time has come for, for that to be on the table again. It's just a matter of how we do it. You know, the risk as an owner, my owner hat, would be injury. So, you know, that's something you always worry about when you send players off to play in, even if they're FIBA games, mid-season, um, all-star games, charity games, whatever it is, you always just, you have that stress as a GM coach, owner of injury. But I think if done properly, and I put that an exclamation point on that, if done properly, meaning very well organized, not a last minute thing, not just thrown together because it's an all-star game. If done properly, I think it can be very good. I think um, having a three-point shootout is good. The dunk contest is, always goes down well with fans. A celebrity game would be, I think, um, engaging influencers in Australia, even though I hate that word, but um, engaging people, you know, celebrities that love basketball. You know, Danny Ewing's a huge fan. He's got a huge following. People like that and bringing them into a celebrity game and, and having a weekend of it, I think it's it's definitely something that should be in the works. Um, it's a matter of how it's marketed. Like I said, if it's if it's going to be done just to tick a box, I'm strongly against it. But if it's done properly, well-organized, well-prepared, I think it has some merit. Bro, what are your thoughts on, on All-Star Games for leagues in general and the NBL? Well, I mean, it's a good for you to showcase the league, showcase what you guys are doing and what the league's doing. I'm not a huge All-Star Game fan. I fucking can't stand them, to be honest with you. I just hate the play in them. I just hate the way it's been with it. But like... I don't know. I mean, but it is a good promotional tool. So I guess it, it'll be decent, but I'm not a huge all-star guy, but I could, I could see the benefit. Like you said, if you have a lot of people that have, you know, that has a, a big following in the, in the country and try to bring people together to just see what the league's up to and they're doing and, and have a good time with it. You know, all, you know, three point shootout dunk contest is good, but eh, 
not a huge fan. I like the see. I like that stuff more than the game. Um, I, I'd rather watch yeah. the three point shootout, the dunk contest. If I was the NBL, I would potentially do a one on one King of the Ring type type thing where every every team puts a guy forward. Now teams obviously will probably not put their best player forward for risk of injury, but maybe put some bonus money on the line as a King of the NBL one on one wise. I mean. Do something new and innovative that hasn't been done in the NBL. Don't just copy the NBA one just because it's the NBA. I think there's definitely some risks that we can take. A King of the Ring will be one. I don't know if you've you got any other ones, Pro, that would be kind of cool spectacles as far as the skill stuff go. I mean, the, the skills competition that the NBA does is pretty cool. Like, you know, going through the obstacle course, that's always good. Horse was always good. Like, they did it like a long time ago in the All-Star game. But, I mean... Yeah, I think a game of horse would be cool against the, like the two of the three leagues best shot makers and sort of guys like that. Um, yeah, imagine that's really all a, I got. Imagine to. having like um, a competition. There'd be too much injuries, but like best shot blocker, like best five shot blockers yeah. versus best yeah. five dunkers, and it's just the you you just get like a ball from the half court line and you get three dribbles and you just go try to dunk on someone. Yeah, that stuff's good. Like I mean, that stuff's really good. It's just but like you said, injury and you're worried about stuff, but. And you could do a bunch of stuff to promote the league and just have fun with it. And, you know, I, but I think it'll only work as long you, you got to have the best stars in the best, you know, the best players. in. they got to they got to be all for it and they got to be good showmen and, and sort of not just show up. You know, like the NBA guys do it for the most part. They just fucking schlep around like, you know, like they're, like they're doing you a favor. I, like back in the day, they sort of took they took a little bit of honor with the All-Star game, not only in the game itself, but just sort of you know, promoting the game. Now, a lot of it, not all of them, but a lot of the players just sort of are there like, you know, they owe you, you know, you owe them something, you know? Yeah, no doubt. I know in Australia many years ago, I think they had um, an, similar to the NBA with with World versus USA with the, instead of going rookie, sophomore, it changed to World versus mm-hmm. US. I think in the NBL, I think they did have imports versus the rest, which would be cool as well. The best import team versus the best Australian players. There's, there's different things you can do, but yeah, to answer, to answer your question shortly, let's, I'm, I'm all for it as long as it's done properly and not just the same old, same old. So we'll watch that space. Thanks for that question, Jared. We'll move on to Chris. Far away. G'day guys, thanks for having me on again. Um, this is just probably, and probably for both of you, I suppose, just in regards to what you've seen. Um, this is talking about, Bogues, when you were on the Howie Games and you were talking about, you know, when you were always sort of brought up to not, I suppose, put people below you status-wise when, you know, you're always... Like you said, you're always very polite to people like flight attendants and things like that. I suppose, did it annoy you when... You know, if you're on a flight, for example, and like you said, you you saw players being disrespectful to people, and would anyone sort of call them out on it? Yeah, I would. Yeah, good. <laughs> I guess the frustrating thing I found is most of us in the NBA have come from that very position. I know I have. I was, you know, lower working class family for the most part. We had a couple of good years. We were probably teetering towards the middle class, but it was a grind every day, and it was we were we were below a lot of the, you know, we were below someone wearing a suit. So I was treated that way. My father definitely was uh, broken English, you know, so it was always hard for him to kind of fit in as far as that went. Uh, once he got his business going, it got much better. But yeah, I was on that other end of the stick, so I knew how bad it felt to be kind of looked down upon as just a, a, a cog in the machine or kind of peasantry type w- working roles I'm not saying flight attendants in that are but if you get my point it's it's just it really frustrated me and, and it's not it's not so much going out of your way and, and being super nice and fake like hey how you doing how's your family oh, yeah, yeah it's just yeah. please thank you hey can you get me that they might have forgotten something and, and you say hey um excuse me I don't, I don't hate to bother you i know you're busy but you forgot my drink can i please get it but i just saw a lot of 
like the example I gave, and it might have been just been one that stuck on my head, and I've given it on the. I think I gave it on the my journey, or I've given it on a podcast before. So in our airplanes, we have these big tables where they they basically put them in the exit. All the when yep. near all the doors, there's tables on both sides. They take out a bunch of uh, and there's four, there's two seats facing each other on each side of those tables. So there's four, and on the other side of the aisle, it's the same thing. And then you get to the wing and to the back. So there's about you know f- f- six tables. So when you get on these planes in the NBA, as Pro would know, they generally have two of these tables blocked off when you board that are just full of food. So like, you know, you've got fruit platters, you've got hors d'oeuvres, you've got shrimp, you've got chicken skewers, just appetizer type stuff, nuts, chips, all that bullshit, right? So um, Michael Red used to sit across kind of diagonally from me at that table. I was two rows back, but I could see the table, right? So he used to sit at that table. So once it all, once we're about to take off, they clear the table up and then you've got a free table, right? And I still remember to this day, he called, he pushed his button and I was watching. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? The flight attendant gets there, the stewardess, which you're not allowed to say anymore, but I'll say it was a, it was a female flight <laughs> it's attendant. 2021, yeah. <laughs> she gets to his table and he's like, um, can I just get some watermelon, some apples, some chicken, whatever he was ordering. I don't know, right? And yeah. I'm, I go, Mike. Like you're sitting at the fucking table. <laughs> like why don't you skip? Yeah, yeah. Why would yeah. you? Why would you bu- push your push your light, your flight attendant call light to, to have her serve your food on the plate? And he's like, oh, come on, Bogues, come on, Bogues. I'm like, nah, man. Like what are you, what are you doing? So I was like giving him a bit of shit, like kind of my standard Bogues way, like uh, kind of laughing, sarcastic jabs at his stomach. Like, dude, look, come on, man. Like you can't do that, you know. And and that that always stuck with me. And then and then I just see guys like if guys had a bad game, they're cranky, they're tired, we get in, and sometimes just taking it out on a poor flight attendant who's trying her best, or it, it could be trainers. It could be masseuses. It's just please and thank you go a long way. That's a bare minimum, in my opinion. You don't, like I said, you don't have to go over the top. I'm sure Pro has some very good stories around that as well. I was just going to say, just before I get to him, um, but sort of, I mean, from that point of view, though, just say, I mean, for example, would would you ever see like a coach or anything call them out on it? Just be like, hey, guys, like, pull your head in, basically. Like, they're just they're here to do a job. They're here to look after you. Like, would anyone ever call them out on it, or would they be just? Would they be too scared to do it? Like, well, it's yeah. hard because the plane's divided, so the players are at the front, oh, okay. the coaches are in the middle. Some coaches sometimes might like, hey man, like chill out a little bit. But for the most part, they don't know what's going on, and most of them will, will just try to not have any conflict off the court. You know, you, you try to keep that in timeouts or on the court, you know, you're going to have conflict every now and then. The last thing you want to do is, I mean, if it's blatantly disrespectful, like, you know, Kevin yeah. Porter Jr. throwing soup in someone's face, that's a whole different story, J.R. Smith. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> Pro, have you ever caught anyone out on it or what are your stories? Yeah, I, I always did. It's, it's, there were young guys, there were veterans that just sort of left it alone. It's a deal, but coaches aren't going to really call them out for the most part. We actually, like in Dallas, for the most part, we had good guys that really didn't do much. We had a few that just sort of, you know, just sort of socially weird, you know, and, 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 and not used to it. And, you know, you call them out, you don't call on it right there. You just sort of wait. And cause it's just one of those things. You, just, you definitely want to get back to it for sure. You don't want to let it go, but you know, cause you don't want the confrontation. You just rather like let it go. It's usually not a huge deal. It's not usually like a big production. It would be like a, a 10 second exchange and, and, and that's it. But, you know, it's sort of like the difference between a, a boss who's a good leader versus a boss who just likes to boss people around and use that power. And I think sometimes players have that with the money and stature. They feel as though they could treat some people like that. And not all players, very few do. But like, I, I just think that they do mistreat those, you know, those people on the plane and, you know, I think it's just part of it because a lot of them are coming in. They're young kids. No one's ever told them no before. They treat people how they treat people. Nobody because they they didn't want they didn't want to get thrown off the gravy train. They never like told uh, corrected them on any of their social behavior. And I think that's that's sort of part of the job of a young player, you know, for a coach um, to to sort of 
tell them what's right, what's wrong. I've, I've seen it. I think veteran leadership is going out the window in the NBA and it, like it was 20 years ago where you, where you have legitimate NBA veterans taking people under their wing um, and, and, and sort of like, hey, look, you got to tip you got to tip the, you know, you got to tip the flight attendant at Christmas. You got to tip this person or treat this person a certain way and then call people out when they're not doing the right thing. I think that's sort of going, I think that's like the last of the Mohicans. I don't, I don't think you see that as much anymore. And it's probably going to get less and less as the years go on and more young kids go into the league. But, um, yeah, I've seen my, I've seen my share. Nothing crazy, but I've seen, I've seen it. And you just, again, it's one of those things you can call them out right there. Coaches aren't going to call them out right there. A, they're too afraid to, and B, like they're usually have their their you know their beak buried in the you know some film or something like that. They're not they're not worried about how they're treating the the flight attendants. Let's be honest. I've seen I've seen only one real bad instance. Um, I've seen a flight attendant end up in tears, and it was because of the whole totem pole issue in the NBA. So when you when you get on a plane, so you've got those appetizers on the table. Um, this is how petty it gets. And then you've got uh, meal service. So once you're in the air, you, you can have like there's usually three or four options. You can pick off a menu, you know, some steaks, some fish, whatever. Right. The way it usually works is the veterans eat first. Is generally the unwritten rule, right? So I can't remember what year it was. It was in Milwaukee, but we had we had a rookie that that came on, and he was. He got his meal first, and I still remember one of the veterans like cast out the the rookie and said like, "How dare you get that?" And the rookie kind of half didn't know, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, "Well, I didn't think it was a big deal." And then cast out the the, the flight attendant for it because you know the vets should eat first. And it's just like, dude, like, is it really that big of a deal? Like, if it is, just tell her tell her or him on the side, like Pro said, have a have a conversation about it. But like, lit you know, lit the person up in front of everyone. And I think that's when it gets time and place and, and strategy with these things. Unless it's, like I said, something blatant where it's someone throwing soup at someone, then I wouldn't mind going after him. And if it comes comes to conflict, then so be it. You got to deal with it because that's completely 100% over the line, unacceptable. But if it's a manner issue or like I just said, uh, you know, a rookie got served first, you address it quietly. And then, you know, if it keeps happening, then it's a different story. But uh, that's the worst I've seen. And But then on the flip side, most of the players rallied around the flight attendant more than the player and was like, dude, you're a dickhead. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, she's trying to work hard. So it's good and bad. We'll go on to the next one. Thanks for that question. JF, you're up. Fire away. Yo, uh, and I'll add to that conversation too. I was wondering if that's going to actually get worse as the league progresses because, you know, these guys are celebrities before they even enter the league. So I don't know if that gives them a bigger ego to kind of act um, act that way or, you know, they're more refined. It'll be interesting to see. I think Pro mentioned it. Yeah. I mean, it's that's the problem. It's it's not ever hearing no throughout childhood. Like, look, if you're if you're one of those prodigies at 12, 13, you're probably not going to hear no for a decade <laughs> when you've got to the NBA yeah. in your early 20s and then a coach or GM finally said no to you. It's like, what, what what language are you speaking? Are you speaking Spanish? Like, I, I don't understand what you're saying. I think Pro hit on the head with that. So, but yeah, go ahead with your question. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, I asked about the value of an agent for certain players. Uh, you guys gave really good answers. Uh, there's one that came to mind when listening to Brian Windhorst's podcast. You know, there's another service that they provide, which is kind of media relations and propaganda. Uh, I think Brian Windhorst has covered LeBron since like high school. And it just so happens he uses ESPN's platform to openly campaign for LeBron for MVP. Uh, I mean, he's yeah. Often- it's called it's called exchange. I'm gonna give you. I'm uh, you know. I'm gonna be your PR agent in exchange for leaks that he can get for information. So yeah, that's usually how it ran between Windhorse and LeBron. 
But go ahead. I'm he, sorry. To yeah, and he'll even do it like for other clutch clients, right? He's usually a hype man. He'll extol the skills and play of like even the guys on the lower uh, end of the clutch client list, right? So my question is, when did you guys realize that the integrity of the media was kind of not pure and there's a lot of politics that goes into the coverage of uh, players? Uh, it took me a while. Um, early on, I was young, wide-eyed, dumb kid that came out of college and thought everything was was fantastic in life and everyone's in it for the right reasons and i spoke about this with someone uh, on a previous podcast last week nothing to do with basketball but i I, when i first came in the league there was a few of these journalists you know the old school journalists smoking the cigar trench coat if you feed me bullshit i'm gonna dig into it and and i'm gonna i'm gonna out you for peter vesey and guys like that yeah like your cluedo not cluedo colombo type like a detective type journalists they the ones that actually investigate read research and they present what the story is they don't give you their leaning politically culturally socially i don't like that team they don't have any of that right along for those days and i think they're gone in today's day and age right i'll give you a better example caa the agency they own a lot of the talent on espn right so when you see these espn play a little game write these down when you see a little uh you know these these shows criticizing players go and look up the caa client list for players and then go and look up it's very hard to find which media personality are caa but i know it's most of most of espn there's a direct correlation in who i'll criticize and it's blatant I, i was presented with this a number of months ago by some people and it's it's to the point where you know someone could do something reprehensible and they'll It'll be a, a 30 second discussion and it'll go on to slandering someone else who isn't CAA. That's how blatant it is. So pay attention to that for people out there. No one, no one really notices that. And that goes to media buyers, power, CAAs in with ESPN. And they, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And that's just the dirtiness of the industry. I know, I know it frustrated me the more and more I found out about it. You know, certain beat writers wouldn't write anything about certain players um, that they liked or that they were in with their agents and then all of a sudden a, a different player would do the same thing and get absolutely killed and you start to r- scratch your head like what the hell's going on here and the more and more you dig you realize that's how it works and, and how agents get their leaks agents get their leaks sorry uh journalists get their leaks from agents so it's as simple as this i've got a player that's going to get traded i leak it to you know media mogul x he gets a story he feels good then free agency i have a player he's restricted doesn't really have any offers I go to this journalist and say, hey, can you put out an article saying my guy has five max offers from five different teams and, and his home team better give him give him the extension or the big the big big dollars. Otherwise, he's going to go to these five teams. And, and there's no off on the table, right? So that's how that kind of shit works. It's scratch my back, you scratch yours, pro. What, what are your thoughts? I think that the media, sports media has changed in the last five or six years. Like you don't see the big, like huge you know, opinion pieces anymore. You don't see the big investigative journalist stuff. You don't see that, like those big things anymore. Like all it is, it's, it's change. It's breaking stories, breaking news, breaking trades, who's getting traded, you know, who's getting fired, who's banging whose girl, who got in trouble last night, you know, and like, like all the scandalous stuff. And to do that, you, you can't really have an opinion anymore. Like you can't go hard at people anymore because if you do that, if you go hard at this GM, hard at this coach, hard at this agent's client, then they're going to, they're going to shut you off. And if they shut you off, you can't get that, those little pieces anymore because of Twitter, because of Instagram, because of all this stuff, people want their information like this. So you don't have time to do those huge pieces anymore. So it's all, it's all like, for the most part, it's all like national Enquirer stuff. It's all like, like soap opera stuff. So it's like, 
and that it's just little quick hits. So it's it's who's getting drafted, who's getting traded, all that. So to lose your to lose your assets, you know, it's sort of like being a cop and having your you know informants on the street. You lose your informants, then you don't get those pieces, and you can start getting beaten by your your you know by your uh, counterparts, your you know your enemies at other networks and things. And now your value goes down. So yeah, of course they're not gonna they're, they're definitely not gonna go at the people that you know I'm I'm more pissed at that like like I understand like sometimes you you don't want to go as hard as on someone that gives you information <clears throat> that's one thing but the second thing is like when you if if, if you have a, a story that's morally like reprehensible that a guy did a coach did a player did or whatever and you hold that story and you bury that story to either get other information or something else because you need the you want to get the next hit next hit then i don't have much respect for you if you're gonna like turn the other cheek on a a coach that's not doing that well i'm I'm not that bad at that i'm not that mad at it but if if somebody does something reprehensible and you bury it based on another story then then i get issues with it yeah, like most industries, there's there's good and bad, and that's one of the, the bad parts of the media. And then a lot of people that get those jobs will do anything to hang on to them as well. So you know, it, it does the, the the I guess the it does come swampish at times. Um, there are a lot of good people in there, but it's starting to sway the other way. There's a lot of people that are just there ticking the boxes, making sure they keep their job, and making sure they don't get blackboard by an agency, a team, a GM, and then 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 life's uh, made hard for them. So thanks for that one, JF. We'll move on to our next one. We'll take two more and then head off for the pod. Preston, fire away. Hey, what's up? Uh, love the podcast, Bogues and Mike. Uh, you guys are very knowledgeable to basketball and other things, but mostly basketball. Question for both of you, but uh, as a basketball player, you know, I find it hard for, you know, just like I play games every week in, in different leagues and, and I played uh, high school ball and I find it hard to uh, like control like my mental like emotions of the game and I'll play a game and sometimes they'll go by so fast and then after I'll be like man I was too too angry or too too like I I was out of it you know and I had a bad game or you know sometimes I let someone get in my head and whatever and it bothers me and you know just like the emotional and that's me playing maybe like one game a week you know for as many years whatever but you know you played and Mike, you've been in basketball for a long time. You've seen, you guys got games three, four times a week. And how does it go? Like when you control, like, you know, your, your, your mental, your mental, you know, your mentality and your emotions, is it, is it tough? Do you have like certain things you do to help you control your emotions in the game, after the game, before the game, from the looks of it, it looks like some players struggle with that. And then some players don't, you know, you don't see them say a word at all, like the whole game. You know, maybe it's different off the court or whatever, or in practice. But uh, how would you control that during your career? You know, uh, with emotions and are you getting angry to a point where you're getting teed up and fighting people, or is it just more? Yeah, like no, no. I, I always used to be very bad. I, I when I was younger, I was I was kind of like that. Now it's more like I'm I'm keep to myself, but I'm so angry where. And I'm just like telling myself at the same time, like, dude, just shut up. Don't worry about it. If you focus, you're going to win a game. You're going to, you're going to make a play if you just don't worry about that. Mm. And, you know, we, we record our games in our leagues. And sometimes I'm like, man, that play right there pissed me off. And watching it, I'm like, that shouldn't piss me off. I should just go keep playing, keep playing. And instead it ruins my game. It, It affects me. And I've gotten way better the last, the last year I focus and I found different ways myself 
to, um, you know, get better at that. But I was just curious to see from an NBA player standpoint, you know, I feel like maybe because there's so many games, you just got to like forget it and just go on, move on and just kind of grind it out, slow grind. But uh, how does how does that work out for you? Yeah, it's a great question, man. And, and this isn't Grayson Allen, is it? <laughs> Me? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, no, I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a great question because that's the challenge. I mean, a lot of the game people always say a lot of it's mental. A lot of a lot of it's mental in the NBA. Most of it's mental because you got travel, you got wife and kids, you got coach railing, you know, you got minutes up and down, you might be a bench player, you might be G League to NBA. So a lot of it becomes mental. Um, I had that issue as well as a young kid. I was real, real angry kid, um, shocker. But more to the more to the extent of like if guys weren't playing the right way, I would fu- I would lose my shit. And then people would think, oh, look at this guy, he's just got a bad attitude. But it was more about like if dudes were playing for themselves, trying to get their numbers up, if guys weren't passing the ball, it would really affect me and, and I'd show it on my face right and then in college so what happened with me in college was like even if i individually the competitive fire in me and and holding myself accountable if we're doing a shooting drill and we needed you know 20 out of 30 and i'd get 18 i I would be pissed to the point of like i'd kick a ball like punch a wall like real angry shit right which was just stupid at the time but i remember um i went and saw a sports psych at the university of utah now everyone everyone gets different advice but for me his whole thing was like think about something that makes you happy or a happy place right kind of happy gilmore like (laughs) you know the putting and all that right it's and it was it was thinking about home and family and all that kind of stuff and that really helped just set my mind like as soon as it triggered something where I wanted to lose my shit, it was like triggering it to, I'd trigger it to something else. And then it kind of, it'd take two or three minutes and then I'd forget about what I was pissed about. The other one was that, that helped me was, um, it's a, it's a everyday psych, I guess, some training that you can do is it's just called fingertip focus so um you get your your um index finger and your thumb you kind of like you're clicking your fingers but you do it slowly and you rub it together and just think about what that fit like actually concentrate on what the feeling is and it sounds silly like you see people do it in the yoga pose right it sounds silly but it just centers your mind back to the present so you know feel your finger feel the focus and, and it just gets your brain back to like hey man you're good everything's all right and then I guess it's then your goal to, like you said, next play, next play. Don't let this play um, derail the next 10 plays. And that's the biggest challenge you guys have, right? It's like, do you get a T and get thrown out and then cost your team the game? Do you, you know, not get back on defense? Then you've now you've made that mistake compound into three, four, five, six possessions. You get benched, you cuss out the coach, and then it's a it's an avalanche effect of, 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 of problems, right? So I think those two techniques is go to try to go to a happy place, quote unquote. It sounds like a cliche. And then just be in the present, be in the moment. That's what you hear most people say when they're talking about i just want to be in the moment i don't want to, i don't think about my 40 point night last week i don't want to think about my 0 for 10 night the, the, day, the day before right and and that in the nba is key if, if you don't if you can't get over that last game and i've i've felt it both ways like i've had i've come off a game winner in milwaukee and then thought i was the shit and like the next best thing and blah 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 and then go into the next game and you you know add four points and two rebounds in 30 minutes you know and, and then the vice versa like you, you come off a bad game and then it refocuses you the other way like shit man i don't really need to focus and then you come out and have 30 right so it's a balanced pro i'm sure you've probably pro probably deals with it a lot more from the development point of view um give us give us your thoughts on it pro yeah i mean a lot of angry players out there bogs a lot of them and <laughs> like it's it just that i mean that's part of it right like that's part of the reason why they got to to the nba and you know they were able to play so well but controlling it's a big issue a lot of times uh breathing meditation first of all you have to admit you have a problem first of all that's the thing you have to address it what's the actual issue what's the actual problem and like breathing exercises uh meditating in the morning first thing five minutes shut everything off 
five minutes of closing your eyes and actually, uh, you know, like imagining yourself in that situation and, and trying to sort of diffuse yourself routines that you have in the game. Like we, we would have an angry player that was mad. Like we, like when he came out of a game, regardless if like he was happy, sad, whatever, he took a stat sheet, crumbled it up and threw it under his chair. Like little routines like that, you know, just to sort of, just to sort of identify, get you going a little bit, get you back centered. But like, bro, what about the you know, naming? What about the one player that had a chair in the tunnel? <laughs> what's up? What about the one player we both know that? Oh had, yeah, had a chair yeah. that, that just sat in the in the back in the tunnel, and he'd he'd get subbed out and go and sit on the chair for three or four minutes before he came back subbed to the out, bench. Would go to the chair. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, like everyone has different routines, but I think it's the like first of all, you have to identify what you have. You have to identify what triggers you. Like if it's referees, like. I always said to a referee or rookies, I said, look, stop being a fucking asshole with the, with these referees. First of all, referees never going to change their call ever in the history of fucking mankind where they change their call because you're, you're bitching at the referees. So what you need to do is you get pissed. That's fine. Let it go. And then at the next dead ball, you put your arm around the referee and be like, uh, where do you see in there? Because I thought I got fucking hacked. Like, where, where do you see in it? Like, and be joking about it a little bit and, and, and sort of start a conversation instead of, you know, bitching at the referee. And, but like, first of all, you have to identify what the issue is. Then you, you do your meditation, your breathing, and then you have to really focus on it in the game. Like, you know, I have a problem with like, if a, a player turns it over. So, like, you got to focus on that. All right, if this player turns it over, I'm good. I'm just going to breathe. I'm going to take two seconds, and then I'm going to get back to it. And you have to really make the effort. And you have to – and it's not going to cure itself overnight. It might be – you might be wanting to knock out a guy five times a game, and then you knock it down to three and a half times a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you've made progress. And then it goes. None of this stuff happens overnight. There's not a pill. There's not a drill. There's not a – uh, an ebook you can buy. There's not a podcast you can listen to that's gonna like snap your fingers and you're out of it. You're 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 back normal. You know it, it, it's gonna take some time, but you're gonna you're gonna have to have a routine. You're gonna have to have a plan of how to attack it, and you got to follow through on those plans regardless of you know regardless if you were, had a good day or a bad day. You got to keep those routines and those habits together to keep you back to being centered. It's all about being centered, never too high, never too low, but you have to work on that. It's not just something you say. It's not a fucking, it's not like a slogan you could put in your locker room, you know, nothing to fear but fear itself. It's not that bullshit, but it's real things that you have to do to sort of keep you back into a centered situation. Yeah. And it sounds like you're saying it's affecting you for the rest of the game. Maybe the goal would be, all right, like next time I can be pissed till the next time out or next quarter time break or half time break that could be the first goal so all right let's all right there's three minutes on the clock i'm fuming right now okay and then i get once you sit down you're like once i stand back up it's a new game you know there's different techniques like pro said you're not going to just switch it off overnight you're going to probably have to go and bat it down into increments and that's a goal it might be hey you lose your shit for 20 minutes sometimes now you're cutting it down to 10 and then the next game it's five whatever it is right you know if you're a double technical guy that gets ejected a lot set the bar to one technical game for a couple of weeks and then get to zero you can't just yeah you definitely can't just switch that shit off and because that'll if you think you're just going to go you know all right next game i'm going to be all good and be perfect it's going to probably do you more mental harm because you'll go into that with so much pressure and anxiety and you'll be probably overthinking that. You won't even be thinking about the game. So you got to have a good mix there. But um, thanks for that one, Preston. Appreciate that question. We'll go to our final question. That is Simon. Unmute and fire away, buddy. Yeah, g'day, fellas. Um, Just a quick one. Back when I was a kid, like you'd have Luke Longley, who was a seven-footer, who was like the only Aussie represented in the NBA. And then the GOAT, 
Andrew Gaze could only get a couple of 10-day contracts at that stage. And then it kind of opened up the doors when you had Shane Hill and Bradkey and then Anstey. That was awesome because you had guys that you saw in the NBL. I mean, yeah, they had the Olympics and that's probably helped a lot, but that was great to just see, hey, these are guys that I've seen in person and they've made it to the NBA. Now you're getting guys from all sorts. You know, Will Magnay played a game, Daniel Dell, Mango Mathiang, uh, Isaac Humphreys, Mitch Creek. Is there a um, brotherhood between all the Aussie NBA guys? Like, is there a WhatsApp group or anything like that? Or, like, what's the, what's the go with, um, yeah, just the relationship between whether you've played 10 years or, or one game? Oh, not, not to that extent. Look, the national team's probably more where the, the group chats and that come into play. I think there's a mutual respect for guys that have played. I think there is a bit of a, if I'm being honest, there is a bit of a difference between played and on a roster that uh, I know some guys get a bit grouchy about, like a, a double-digit NBA guy might say, well, player X wasn't really playing, he was on a roster, you know? So I think the brotherhood is probably more around guys that are in that are actually over there long-term. I think the guys one foot in, one foot out, as harsh as it sounds, it's a little bit different, you know? Um, so the stopover stuff, not so much. I think guys that, you know, Paddy, Joey, Longley, myself, you know, Delhi, guys that actually, you know, played, numerous years vital roles for their teams which has only really happened in the last decade let's be honest it hasn't hasn't Luke Longley was the only guy that actually had a, a long-term role um, Anstey was probably next after that I believe for that era and then probably go Shane and, and a few other guys had stopovers so there is but there isn't I think um, it's just a hard one because if you're on a if you've done a 10 day and this is what what gripes me with the NBL at times it's like a guy could go do a 10 day or go over to the G League and maybe got one call up and then they sign in the NBL and it's like NBA star signed in the NBL and you're like whoa 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 <laughs> you know let's be honest about it we don't need it back in the day the NBL needed to do that 10 years ago we don't need to do that anymore because we're getting genuine players that have come from the NBA or Europe that are stars promote them you don't have to do the the ones that are kind of fringe just to get try to fool people that aren't avid NBA followers but there is but there isn't does that answer your question yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yep, cool. All right, thanks, Simon. We'll wrap up this week's episode. Uh, this was episode 45 of the Q&A. really appreciate it. Pro, some good news. Their uh, call-in is now available via the website as well, which is good. And um, oh, well. the Android app is being worked on. So within a couple of weeks, we should have some more listeners. But thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you.